Space Cave in a Big Warg to all of you Spaceburgers out there. Um, this episode may sound a little different because it uh, we don't have the assistance of Dan, whose wife Ashley is undergoing some surgery. Um, it wasn't specific, and I don't know how much of that he wants out into the world, but if you get a chance and can send him a nice tweet or something, he's at Dan from Orange, like the fruit, on Twitter, and... Uh, if nothing else, just maybe all of us Spaceburgers could send a little positive energy down under uh, and hope everything goes well uh, for uh, for for the for the whole clan down there. Every there, they got a lot of animals. They got a, a big group, and uh, so I hope for all of their sake and ours that Ashley is doing fine and that it's nothing major. But. Uh, this episode of Nothing Else will show just how integral Dan is to this show being made and how good it sounds. So if the quality of the sound is a little off, that's the reason, and I apologize, but I'll do my best. I think it, it hopefully sounds okay. Um, we'll get into our chat, which in uh, you'll hear us talk about it. It took some doing. We, we had to reschedule a number of times, and so I was really glad to get this one done, sit down and talk about it. Or sit down and talk with my guest, who's very fascinating, interesting fellow. And uh, before we get into that, a reminder that the Junk Show is the second Sunday of every month here in Los Angeles at the Copper Still. Matthew Clement, all the way from Ohio, has been, I think, three, maybe four times now, more than some people that I run into from time to time here in Los Angeles who live here. And go, yeah, I've been meaning to come check that out. And if you're one of those people that lives adjacent or are in town, now's the year. The next one will be in 2020. You can make that a resolution to just do things you've been talking about doing or thinking of doing. Just check one off the list. It doesn't even have to be the junk show, but uh, it feels good to, to finally do things. You're like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to clean that out forever. You'll likely find something that you've been looking for, whether that's an actual physical thing. Oh, that's where that cord went. Or maybe something else. And uh, if you're looking for something to do to start the year in 2020... I'll be in Winnipeg at Rumors Comedy Club January 14th through 18th and at the Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles January 26th. That one is important because I'm filming it for the crowd scenes for the uh, kind of a sequel to One-Headed Beast. So really need some faces in that crowd and you can get tickets at uh, davidhuntsberger.com or Dynasty Typewriter. Uh, I'd be just delighted if you did. And... um, if you use WARG, W-A-U-R-G, in the checkout, you can get two tickets for $20. A nice little um, Space Burger discount. So hopefully you take advantage of that. Okay, let's get into some hardcore chatting. That's what you came for. Uh, my guest today is Andrew Carroll from The Lonely Wild. He also uh, did some music for a television show that we'll talk about. I don't want to give too much away because you'll hear the whole story of how it started and... Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but um, the, where the show is, the future of it, etc. Anyway, this was um, a suggestion from Dylan Gonzalez. I hope everything's going well. As I mentioned in the past, Dylan and his wife Jessica have a GoFundMe up. There will be a link at thespacecave.com. Uh, anything you can give, especially during the holiday season, they've been just great to the show. Very lovely, kind, wonderful people. Not that you need a background check when you are helping out people, but I feel like sometimes people get taken advantage of. They give money and they find out, oh, those people are just buying private jets. Damn it. And uh, I can vouch wholeheartedly for Dylan and Jessica. They're just wonderful people. They've uh, come out and supported lots of... They, I think they put up the Lonely Wild when they were traveling through town, let them stay with them. And so they're very generous. Dylan's a number of times reached out with guest suggestions, including Andrew, 
Um, so really glad to make this one happen and to sit down and chat with Andrew Carroll of The Lonely Wild. Here's part one. Yeah, people love that Foley. People, no, they, I, very rarely does anyone write and say like, I'm re- it took one time. I think the first time doing it, someone was like, I prefer when I can hear the beer. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well. Someone's like listening and drinking along with us. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah, okay. Well, I used to post the beers maybe like the Friday before the episode would come out. I think people lost interest in that. But there was, for a while, there was kind of a Twitter clamoring of, hey, what's the beer going to be? Oh, okay. And then people would try to go find it and drink along with it. That's Sometimes cool. it's too regional. Like this Uinta we're about to drink, this hot Utah, notch. right? Utah, yeah. And I don't know how far east they go. Which or... is funny because when you're in Salt Lake, when you're in Utah, mm-hmm. you have to get like near beer half the time. They don't even do yeah. this high octane stuff. Yeah. It's kind I, of funny. And they ha- someone wrote a thing about, or the brewery wrote a thing about that. And it didn't seem like it was the main brewery. It was someone talking about like the history of it, of going out there in like 93 or something. It was a long time they've oh, been yeah. around. And just saying, like, they wanted to go to a place where there was the least amount of beer so that they could get people in it, which makes and doesn't make sense to me, I suppose. <laughs> I guess if you're in Utah and you're looking, you'd be really cycling. Oh, thank God, there's actual beer. Yeah, yeah. But it is a weird concept that you would go to a place that most people consider to be, like, a dry, a dry state. Yeah, exactly. Can't <laughs> buy alcohol on Sundays or Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, when I went in Colorado, I went to school there, and they had that sort of weird stuff where, oh, let's get some beer. Can't. It's Sunday. What? Or like you couldn't buy kegs on Sunday? Really? Yeah, so then people would have to drive up to Wyoming, cross the border, and get kegs and come back. So if you're having like a football party or something like that, you would see college kids. Fort Collins? Okay. So it's maybe like... 45, 50 miles south of the Isn't Wyoming Isn't Colorado border. like beer country? It's like Coors and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. I think it's changed a lot since. I don't know if the keg thing has changed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, for me, when I heard like all the marijuana stuff, I was like, we're not that far removed from this crazy, weird, like prohibition-esque kind of thing. And I'm from Nevada. So going there, we're like, we can't get booze 24 hours a day. This is, I won't stand for this. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah. Texas had some stuff like that where you couldn't, I always forget that, you know, like you're, you're a traveler, you're, you guys are on tour and you yeah, maybe yeah. stop like, Hey, let's go to a convenience store and get some beers. And you go in, they go, Ooh, it's 10 one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, what? what state am I in? Or, or they don't sell some, I forget what, where it is, but some grocery stores don't carry alcohol at all. Yeah. Like you just have to go to a designated liquor store. Yep. And you're like, I'm at the gas station. <laughs> I was expecting to get beer. <laughs> yeah. And people listening that are in those places are always fascinated. Like, you can go into a grocery store and buy beer. Yeah. And all of us on the, I think most of the West Coast would be like, yeah, it, you should be. Exactly. Like, you should be allowed to get your libations where you're also getting your food. It's crazy that you have to go to these specific places. But I guess I get it. I'd like to see the statistics in those spots as to. Does what, it actually make a difference? Like. I yeah. really doubt it. And I mean, there's like Missouri where you can just like drive through. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> just get your beer and go. Put it in the, the <laughs> loader up. Road sewed. <laughs> I did one of those ones. It wasn't as exhilarating. <laughs> as <I was> <laughs> <trying>. <laughs> Wait, so I can't drink it in the car still, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you, but the first time I went into like a beer cooler, whatever they call it, where like you do a walk in, oh, yeah, it's yeah. part of the store. I don't know why. I think it's because you're so frequently like looking through the glass and like people walk back there. Why can't I go back there? And now all of a sudden you're in it, but you're also freezing. Yeah. Let's get our beer. Get that decision. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm doing it. All right. Let's do it. Oh, yours was great. I like that. Got to get these beers to sponsor you. Yeah. Sometimes I reach out. I'm pretty lazy about that. And then breweries are hit and miss on how excited they are to get the word out. Sure. Sometimes they'll be like, you know what, We man? don't need it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like beer sells itself pretty well. Yeah. So, but the places that do take the time and like package it up, cause there's a lot that goes into like shipping beer. Sure. And so when they do, I'm very thankful. And yeah, maybe I'll reach out to Uinta. Oh, and they have it on the can. So cheers. I was looking at this. Yeah. Cheers, man. The, nice to finally yeah, do this. Make this happen. Whew. Are we on? Are we? Yeah, we're doing the whole it. Time? Yeah. We're going no net. I've, I've recently been discussing that at the beginning, how uh, I don't really know how to start doing that. I just like it to kind of, I like that. When people go, are we recording? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're doing We've it. been going the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. sometimes I think if you go in, you know, you do this for like morning radio or, or when you guys as a band. Um, and I probably mentioned this in like the intro to this episode that 
uh, I've had Dave Farina on, and oh, right, I, right. I, I uh, know of you guys because of Dylan Gonzalez oh, in Dylan. Nashville, the nicest dude. Yeah. And uh, and he reached out and said, like, you got to get Andrew on. <laughs> so we've been trying for what feels like two or three months. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. And so many mishaps along the way. And so today, to finally be able to do exactly. it feels great. So that was a meaningful cheers. Yeah. <laughs> we made it. To Dylan. Yeah. To Dylan. Who currently has a uh, GoFundMe going. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, right. so if you're listening and you, I mean, this, how many recommendations do you need to know that Dylan's a good guy? <laughs> and his wife, they're fantastic people. So hopefully people uh, will spare a little and help them out. And uh, and thanks especially to Dylan for getting this together. Because I, I saw you guys at the Troubadour. And I'd listen. We'd listen to the record or the album. I guess CD in our case, mm-hmm. quite a lot. The Sun as it comes. And we oh, have cool. both. We listen to that one a lot. Is this like such a great road trip album? Nice. And it felt a lot like. I know the guy in M eighty three said he was making. There's that really popular song like Midnight City or something, mm-hmm. and he said mm-hmm. that album. He was trying to write it for a movie that he just saw in his head. Mm-hmm. And I feel that sometimes with albums, but the Sun as it comes to me is very much that but it you think of kind of a western but in a i can't imagine the movie i can feel it like when i'm listening like it's evocative of like these emotions and so we would listen to it you know driving through the desert at like sunrise or sunset or something and so some of those nice moments yeah were very perfect for that like oh this is such like a western feeling album and so like there's a desolate feel to it but also like uplifting and Anyway, on and on. Right, that's a good compliment. <laughs> sure. And, uh, but seeing it live added like a new dynamic or something. When you guys played the Troubadour, it was... That's been a while ago. I can't yeah. even remember what that it was. It was like, yeah, probably like three years ago or so. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just, I really liked that. And I was so curious, like watching it, I was like, there's a lot going on with this band. Sometimes yeah, a lot just... of uh, talented musicians. I, I just sit up there and sing and play the guitar, play some chords, but <laughs> everybody else is switching instruments all the time and uh-huh. picking up trumpets and keyboards and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Was that like when you get into making music or when you're a kid and you're kind of like, I think I like music. I'm always curious where you flash forward to a band and it's a group of people with a cohesive idea of like, we want our second record to sound different or we want to change from being this type to be more electronic or their goals and ambitions Mm -hmm. and you guys seem like you have those of like let's really push ourselves let's really try to like use atypical rhythms and timings and things like that but was that something as the band that kind of you talk about or does it just start happening um a little bit of both i guess um I guess from record to record, I just get kind of get bored doing one thing too long Mm -hmm. so I, i mean i i love a band like um um beach house or something and they have like seven or eight records uh-huh. and they're almost indistinguishable <laughs> yeah. but they're great if you want to put that mood on and they mm. just have I, I consider that discipline where you're able to just like this is our sound and we do it really well yeah um and i i always strive to make an album cohesive and make it sound of its own thing mm-hmm. but i gotta get bored after a while after a few years i'm like okay we've, we did like just the straight kind of spaghetti <laughs> western vibe let's try to do different stuff and and it's kind of hit and miss, you know? You're mm-hmm. going to experiment a little bit. Yeah, I do. I mean, I feel like that with stand-up. With comedians, I just feel like there's such a duality there with comedy and music. Where, oh, yeah. You know, like the freedom you would have as a, or looking at that as a musician, like, damn, they can just kind of adjust on the fly or they don't have to sure. be kind of locked into this is how it goes. But then mus- um, comedians, I think, more often are, are like, would switch places with musicians in a heartbeat just that when you get to travel with people and then there's like, even if no one's there at the show, you're still doing something that is fun. <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of just close your eyes and pretend. Yeah. 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 Like comedy, you can't do that. But no, being a comedian sounds terrifying. To me. <laughs> I mean, parts of it are really the great. worst parts of playing live are in between the songs. Like, Oh no, I have to talk to people. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. and I can't remember if you guys had like banter. It, it didn't I, bands I'm, stick out to me when I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't know that I want to go see them again because they did really lame banter. <laughs> you guys definitely didn't do that. I, I tried not to as much as possible just because I was never very good at it. <laughs> All right, let's just put these songs together. Just how fast can we get to the next song? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> People aren't here to hear us talk. It is weird, though, on the other side when a band will play five songs right when they come on stage and then the most they'll do is their kind of tuning is go, hey, thanks, and then right into the next and then they walk off stage and you're like, 
that's what I came to see, but you do want a little. You got to connect. A yeah. little, yeah. Yeah, you have to make an effort, you know, play to your audience. Not much, unlike a comedian, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, if if you're just sitting there tuning your guitar, you got to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, have have music continuing throughout yeah. the, the experience, you know? Yeah, I always notice that, you know, if you're at a big place and then maybe they say it off mic and you can hear a laugh kind of trickle through the crowd. Like, what'd they say? Yeah. And then they're pretty, oh, they just said, hope, you, hope you're doing okay. <laughs> Something <laughs> totally innocuous. How are you guys but... doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that dog going to stop barking? Okay, here we go. <laughs> but going back to the idea of changing it up, I've talked with comedians about that, you know, like you do an hour of material and then, you know, a huge percentage of comedians are just talking about their life. So they're just telling stories and like, well, I hope more shit happens to me and then I'll talk about it. Yeah, right. But, you know, someone will go, well, I did this album this way, and I don't know if people expect something different in the next one. Like, am I going to be a one-liner comedian all of a sudden? Or to, you can't do that as much. So I do kind of the same thing you're saying. Like, I'll compile, like, these seem to be at the moment all the thoughts I'm having about this. Sure. And then that'll become, that makes more sense to me rather than just kind of yard sailing it where it's always whatever's coming in. Because then, yeah, I, I like that when a band says these 11 or 12 or whatever songs are going to be somehow tied, whether it's sonically or just the theme. Or, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I always thought Talking Heads were great for that. They have, like, each album sounds very much of its own encapsulated sound. Uh-huh. And they'll do that for maybe even a couple albums, but then they'll take these major left turns here and there over the course of their career. But that whole next album sounds really cohesive for whatever new sound they had, you uh-huh. know? Yeah, I like, and I don't know that there are rules that kind of the tastemakers establish or something. I know that like the Strokes second album, I remember everyone being like, it's just like the first. Yeah. But going back to that Beach House thing, like, that's okay. Yeah. Give the people what they want. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it felt like after that, their next albums were just a lot of like, well, this is different. Yeah. Like, it's cool. It is different. But I wouldn't have minded if they had gone that Beach House way. So I could never tell if it was the press. And sure. you know, the audience at large, or if it was just them being like, let's switch it up. Well, it's hard not to think about the audience and think like, oh, are we going to alienate our fans here? People like us for this reason. So yeah. if we just like make a total left turn here, they're going to be like, what the hell is this? This isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, you just have to listen to yourself and what's going to turn you on as a musician or a writer. If mm-hmm. if you're bored or you're just kind of like painting by numbers to do your sound that you've established, then yeah. I think it's going to come through that you're not your heart's not in it so (laughs) if we could put ourselves and not to in any way uh diminish the achievements of beach house i think we both find them to be great yeah uh but say we're in a band like that where we go like this is what we do we're locked in but you and i are kind of in the back of the tour bus going you know drumming away we're playing something that's really poppy or like (laughs) maybe we'll throw this in the next album and then whoever else in the band might go you know I don't, I don't know if that's right for us. And there would have to be that conversation. Do you think that's where solo projects birth out of? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It, it's just like, let's put this on our album. No. No. <laughs> that's kind of sad, but also... I get. I, Michael Stipe just did a solo piece, and oh, it yeah? was the first breakaway. No one in the band had done... As far as I know, a friend of mine used to bring up this discussion of what's the greatest band that never broke up, never had a solo record from any of the artists and is, is still together. And you'd be like, I think you too is kind of, there's the really not one. a lot. And I think REM maybe like they had a yeah, long catalog of just them. So now him breaking that with a solo thing, I don't know that it feels weird. Well, but REM's it, no more. So, so I guess kinda, it can do his right? thing. He's got to do something, right? And they didn't break up technically. So they, they, oh, they re- didn't, I think they just retired. Okay. They were just like, we're not making albums and we're not touring anymore. Sure. That's how I treat it in my heart. Until we need some money. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which they all do. I've heard people in bands talk about like, we should hang it up and then give it a few years and then come back. Like purposely. When making there's some that. demand. Yeah. yeah. How do you, what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> well, I think it's annoying when, Bands do the, this is our last show ever. And then like <laughs> yeah. the next year they come back and they're like, just kidding. And then like everybody who went and paid extra for the last show was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I thought that was something special. <laughs> but um, I mean, everybody's got to make a living. And I'm sure at a certain point you can't just yeah rest on your laurels. I know. I did um, my last stand-up thing I put out. I made in 2014. It came out in 2015. That doesn't seem that long ago to me, but I went to a band's final show 
and they did that whole thing. This is our final one. Good night. And now they're getting ready to do a reunion tour. And I've just been like slowly working on the next thing I'm going to put out. Like, well, this is this is so weird. And the time that I feel like is totally acceptable of putting something together. Yeah. They were like, we are so done. We're retired. But enough time has gone by. We think it's only right. To go back. <laughs> we know you people want it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, The Lonely Wild is been more or less on a hiatus like we never we haven't played in a couple of years now mm-hmm. um just because our lives all got more complicated and kids and all that stuff mm-hmm. um and i think you know there was some talk like well why don't we just like say this is our last show and get a big show and have people come out and like well what if we want to put out another record in a couple <laughs> years who knows yeah and uh, so i always think it's kind of yeah lame when bands make that big announcement and then they're like just kidding <laughs> We're back. Yeah. I think I think it's true. And I, I always am curious of the authenticity behind it, whatever it is. If mm-hmm. it genuinely is the story they are telling. Because I don't know that I care, but I'm interested in the story. Mm-hmm. So whatever they tell me is what I walk away believing. But it would be nice to go behind the scenes and hear them be like, yeah, that, that was all uh, planned. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it'd make me feel different. I suppose it would. Yeah. Like, oh, you marketers. Like, sure. You, yeah. you, you gamed us. But I, I think taking advantage of it is weird and then having to put like a label on something like a relationship you know you're yeah, in it yeah. with these other people like what are we are we a band that's gonna be you two where we always just make records for 30 years i had some kids in el paso texas that i skyped with for this show and they're a band called i believe fat camp i hope that's still their name it's been a few years <laughs> now <laughs> but they were they were really getting after it you know they were like booking shows and they were doing battle of the bands and they're young kids and i was really rooting for how them. did you hear them uh, they reached out to me. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, I, And then I listened to some of their music, and I was like, I like this. I'll play you guys. Nice. And so I liked that they were hustling that way, like finding a, this obscure podcast that plays some music and thought, that's one way to get our, our work out there, which is true. It is, yeah, yeah. So you got to just start somewhere. And uh, so I played it, but I was chatting with them, and they the only place they could get Wi-Fi was like in a coffee shop. So <laughs> they were all huddled <laughs> around, people milling around behind them, <laughs> and they were just all smiles. And just so to them, it was like being on, Sure. I don't know what would the equivalent be, like American Bandstand long ago or like Total Request Live or something. <laughs> <laughs> so they were thrilled. But I was like, you know, a lot of things are coming up in your lives. Kids, someone goes to the military, someone has this happen, someone gets a job, someone gets in financial situation, they got to like take a break. When when those things are coming up, and it sounds like with you guys, it was just kids uh, or just kids. But like, you, know, <laughs> you know, that little life changer. Yeah. <laughs> Is it something where you kind of have to walk in and go, uh, I've got some bad news? Or are you just like, hey, gang, this is just what it is? Or, you know, how are those conversations? Um, so uh, my bandmate, uh, Andrew Schneider, was the first to have a kid. Mm-hmm. But it turned out, so he kind of came and broke the news to all of us. And it wasn't like, I'm out, guys. It was just like, just to let you know, things are going to get a little tricky for me. Yeah. And I couldn't say anything at the time because, you know, there's just that waiting period where you don't want to announce. But yeah. my wife was pregnant too. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of like bit my tongue and was like okay and then a couple months later oh by the way guys and so was anyone like where did you tell us <laughs> i think it's kind of understandable that you <laughs> did you at least if anyone else <laughs> yeah, yeah. speak now <laughs> um and dave actually now has a kid yeah yeah and Ryan and Jesse, who are two other bandmates, have a kid together. So it's just mm-hmm. a big family band now. I know. Yeah, Dave cut his hair. And so we've kind of switched places when I met him. <laughs> he was in short hair. And mine's absurdly long now. And we saw each other. I'm like, hey. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and he was like, I was doing it to become more responsible or look more responsible. I thought it was hilarious. I'm an educator now. <laughs> I'm a father. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm a grown man who's got adult considerations. I have short hair. Which I think, and your hair is kind of longer. This is off yeah. topic a little bit, but like you get a little different perception a little bit with that, right? Like the way you, people interact with you, like yeah. strangers and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I you go so. pick up your kid at preschool, do other parents like, well, there's a cool parent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed like guys like at the grocery store, or the hardware store is kind of like, hey man, it's kind of <laughs> like a, a more relaxed vibe with you maybe. Yeah. Yeah. This guy's chill. Yeah. <laughs> 
I like it during this period because I, I won't get confused for some sort of like terrible politician. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, sure. like, oh, you're, you're definitely not one of those guys. Yeah, yours is pretty long, too. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I it never was, let it go that long. It's funny that people will use that word like impressive and stuff for something you do nothing <laughs> about. <laughs> you haven't gotten sick of it yet, I guess. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, drives me crazy. I'm, I've been trying to cut mine for like weeks now, but... I am going to cut it soon in January, so it'll be weird to say goodbye to it. You get kind of used to it. Yeah. Like, even the things you hate about it, you're like, yeah. I know the first day you like, go to wash it or something, even though I've had short hair the vast majority of my life, I'll still be like, well, what? I'm not cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what is your your girl, girlfriend, wife? Yeah. Girl, um, I feel like we're like common law. We refer to each other as life associates. Partner. Yeah. yeah. My partner. She's obviously a fan. No. She, oh, no. She, I mean, she's not like caught it every day or something like that. But there are periods where she's like, I'm, I'm so excited for when you get rid of this hair. That's Mostly because she says it covers my face. So when I like have it, you know, in a hat or something or pulled back, she'll be like, oh, your face. Yeah. I miss it. Your beautiful face. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a sweet thing from her. Yeah. Uh, but you're the band Little Hiatus, but it's not like you're all just kind of scrounging around like you've been doing Lodge 49. Yeah. So I started... Um, so having kids kind of coincided with an opportunity to score a movie that a friend of mine directed um, called Cassidy Red, cool. which is very much kind of at that Morricone, Spaghetti Western, Lonely Wild sort of vibe to oh, it. Oh, nice. And, well, and some of the, the bandmates, bandmates played on it and sang on it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that film. And then um, shortly after that, an opportunity for another indie film came up. So I did that. Sweet. And then I, a friend of mine... Anyway, I, I got onto the show Lodge 49 um, through a a friend of mine who was, at the time, a writer's assistant on the show. Mm-hmm. And he said, I was kind of talking to him, like, oh, what are you doing these days? And he said, oh, I got this. I'm in this writer's room, and we just got picked up by AMC. So I said, oh, can I, can I read your pilot? Because <laughs> <laughs> I had just done those two movies, and I was kind of, you know, high on it. I was like, I can do this. You know, yeah. I can make a career out of this. <laughs> so I uh, I read it, and then I just wrote a bunch of we call them cues um, to the script. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'll pass along whatever you do, man. Cool. And nice. I passed it along and didn't hear anything for like a year. And then he actually, so I knew this guy through bands and stuff. He was in a band called Henry Clay people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of that. Yeah. They were, we were playing a lot around the same time and they, they're since defunct now too. We're all children up. related also. No, they are writers now. They're oh. doing the Hollywood thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. This is, again, a little off topic, but when people rag on, say, actors that get into music or something, I feel like creative people do creative things. Yeah. And you see that all the time in LA where someone will be very famous for art. You go to their house and they have instruments everywhere. They go, oh, I just do this for fun. Or vice versa, where like sure. someone plays music and then you go over there and like, oh yeah, I wrote this script or whatever it yeah, is. It's, yeah. so, it's so weird that like you do this thing and that's what I know you're Stay from. in your so, box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So that's cool that they just left a very cool career into like getting paid to write. <laughs> to, yeah. That's amazing. They paid for art instead of yeah. playing dive bars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think they, um, Joey, his brother has a band called Near Beer right now. <laughs> 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 and they're, they're fun. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I went to one of he, they had like a one of those reunion shows. We broke up. We're playing again, <laughs> <laughs> and so I went there, and he's like, "Oh, hey, the creator of the show, this guy Jim Gavin, is is going to be here. I'll introduce you." And I was like, "Oh, sweet!" So I met him, and then over our, the course of our conversation, we realized like we've met before. Do you know so and so and so and so? And we we had mutual friends. Anyway, so I still heard nothing for a while, and then about uh, Christmas time a couple years ago, um, they sent me an email like, "Hey." you're on a short list of people we're reaching out to write us a theme song and if you choose yeah. your theme song you'll probably get the job to score it that's so great so it, that worked out and and people are and rightfully so theme songs are so cool and so uh vital these days sure you, you start watching the titles roll in you can get a feel like i don't think this show's for me <laughs> <laughs> that's great man that's yeah. really cool i and mean it's since actually so we had two seasons and we just got canceled oh shit <laughs> <laughs> But it was a good run. I mean, they're they're trying to, um, you know, they're having a campaign to save it and get a streamer to pick us up or something. But there are enough outlets where hopefully it yeah. does happen. It so does. Yeah, that'd we'll be see. great. It's I'm, got a cult, like a very diehard cult following on tr- Twitter and stuff. And I'll check it out. Is it kind of Twin Peaksish? What's the vibe of it? It yeah, it's it's kind of hard to explain. I would say a little Twin Peaksish, but um, much more big hearted. It's not like 
dark David Lynch. It's like the quirkiness of Lynch and oh. the kind of like weird mystical things happen. Yeah. But it's at the end of the day about like real people, working class people kind of down on their luck and like community and hell yeah. And it's, it's not like it's big hearted without being corny or cheesy. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. It's really well written. Cool. And it, it, so it's been critically well received. We just haven't really found an audience, I guess. <laughs> big enough audience. <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? And I hate, yeah. I'm almost reluctant to start watching it because then those are always the shows I sort of really gravitate toward. Yeah. Like, oh, no one was watching this. Damn it. Why did I, yeah, exactly. why was I one of the people not watching it? You know, now I'm, I'm invested in it. It's halfway through the, the yeah. arc. <laughs> the change that comes, well, first of all, like the concept of people come out here. Three things. The first, I I had a show briefly, uh, and after it ended, people were like, you're in the system now, though. There'll be another one that comes around. But I was the host. That's a little different. Oh. But when you're in the machinery, when you're like, you know, lighting department, music, whatever, set design, sure. you're in the mix now. So I feel like you're more firmly there. Maybe this is me just being optimistic, yeah. but I, I like I, that. I hope so. I share your optimism, I guess. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, have... it's somewhat of an isolated role. It's not like editors are in the offices or the writers are in the writer's room together. So like it's, I come in and I'll talk to them and we talk mm-hmm. about the show, you know, each episode, but then it's like, okay, go do your thing. So I'm working out of my garage and that's so making great. <laughs> when you're and you have your friends come over and you just kind of have an idea of like, Hey, I want you to start on this note and kind of bend it and bring it down. Or do you play it for them? Or like, how do you give them the sketch idea for, for like the show or something? Yeah. Cause I was thinking like, all I know of this is from, you know, like someone with like an orchestra. And so they will have the film up on a giant screen yeah, and, yeah. and kind of write to the music and point and say, here, we want to do this. Are you doing a, a scaled down version of that? Well, yeah, I mean, most TV, it's such quick turnaround. And unless you're doing like Game of Thrones or something, you don't have the budget to hire an orchestra, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Um, so I, I played almost everything nice. on it. Um, just guitars and percussion and and then just like software stuff, of course, too. MIDI, MIDI mm-hmm. instruments. And See, this is something where, as opposed to growing out hair, I feel it is very impressive. <laughs> but then maybe you feel like, no, no, it's the same. I'm just, I just do this. Yeah, just, you know, sit in my computer. And <laughs> <laughs> and then I would, I would outsource stuff, actually. I, I would like, you know, mock up a, a MIDI trumpet part and then call my buddy and be like, hey, man, my bandmate, can you come over here for like, an hour today and mm-hmm. record it and then or i knew a guy a good drummer who had his he already had his own recording setup so i would say hey i need a beat kind of like this and he you know turn it back over to me in like a half an hour so mm-hmm. i would have kind of just outsource things here and there mm-hmm. and then i would i would bring in a singer too cool but i had to get all that stuff cleared beforehand so i would have i would turn in like my demos basically of yeah. me singing a female part. <laughs> like, so just imagine Juliana singing this. It's going to be better. I swear. And then they, they would usually approve them. And she would come in and sing it and make it sound a lot cooler. That's great that they had the ability or the imagination to hear you doing it. Like false picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no picture of me as a woman's voice here. Then yeah. trying it. Yeah. Good. I'm, that all makes sense though. I like how, that creative process. How it all gets stewed together. Yeah. Pretty nice. And I'm sure there's like some built in equity where they're like, yeah, yeah, we trust you. Everything you've done thus far. Did you ever turn in anything where they went, didn't fit the scene right? And you had to rework it? Oh, sure. Yeah. That's pretty common. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, it's rare when you get everything just off the bat. Like, yeah. you'll have to do rewrites. So from like week to week, I would be working on an, a new episode, fielding notes for the past one, and then we'd mix the the one after that. So you're kind of like simultaneously working on three episodes at once and yeah. usually turning turning in about one a week. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. I mean, yeah. a lot of late nights. <laughs> <laughs> that must have felt good though from, you know, the band. You can push yourself as hard as you are capable of. Sure. You know, hey, everyone went home. We're done rehearsing, but I'm going to work on some sketches or I'm going to just practice playing guitar or whatever you can feel like you're doing to try, but it's not mandatory. It's kind of fun when it's flipped the other way. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, I have to do this. Deadlines are good. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it's hard to kind of get the, I've been, you know, slowly working on my own like solo album for the past couple of years. And it's really hard to like, to not have deadlines. Be like, oh yeah, I yeah. guess I could work on that today. <laughs> all right. I've done a bunch of stuff with the animators and they all say that, you know, if, they, if I just say, yeah, it's what, you know, whenever you have time, I'll never get it. If, yeah. But if they say, just give me a deadline, just arbitrarily. Yeah. Inevitably. I need it by Friday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then I yeah. get it right before that. Very rarely is it, a few times something has come in well beforehand where I was like, who is this? Yeah. More often than not, if, and I'll always pick it a couple days prior 
I don't want to give away any of my secrets, but uh, <laughs> usually like just a give little yourself bit, a buffer, a little bit of a buffer. Yeah. yeah, mostly that's just for me. That's not because I don't trust them. It's just so I have time to like tweak it or work with it or whatever. Um, but it's funny how humans are all kind of wired up that way. I was envious of people. The last person I interviewed, my friend James, was like, "Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm doing sound editing for this kind of it's like a theater of the mind thing." but it's a full length movie script. So he's adding in all the sound throughout. And for me, that's such an overwhelming thing to think about. And then for him to just be like, Oh, I'm just doing it in my free time. I really, uh, appreciate that. And like kind of marvel at it. Cause I, I mean, is it his job too? Does no, it's just, I mean, he he'll probably try to sell it or, you know, do something with it or he'll put it out like as a podcast series or something like that. Okay. But yeah, it's not, it's not a deadline or there's no, wow. Hey, we need you to do this. It's just him like out of joy which I love. You know? yeah, yeah. We sometimes forget that. Don't you feel like I got into playing music because I love music and yet uh, I don't want to go it's on stage job. tonight or I don't want to rehearse or I don't want to, yeah. you know, whatever it is. I want to play these same 10 songs again. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. The how do you guys mix it up? <laughs> What's the longest tour you guys did? Like how? Um, nothing too crazy. I want to say maybe a month. Mm-hmm. That's still, or that adds maybe up though. Maybe three weeks or so, three weeks to a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it gets, if the crowds are there and the energy's right, like it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. But if you're playing several nights in a row and you're like, oh, it's just been shitty, then it's, <laughs> it kind of can be demoralizing. Yeah. yeah no, and that, there's like a dichotomy there of not your self esteem, but like your, the way you're looked at. You know, you're yeah. on stage, even if there's 20 people there. And the crowd has no idea, like maybe the venue had a rent out or you you didn't get any part of the bar. And even though it looked like everyone was having fun, it wasn't quite a big enough crowd for all of you to comfortably have like a hotel room. You're just really hoping the merch table does great. You're sleeping on Dylan's floor. <laughs> <laughs> but then to everyone at the show, they you walk around and their eyes are kind of always aware of where that guy was on stage. Yeah, That guy sure. sang. There's just something <laughs> about the lights were on you. We are aware of that. I went to a horse show one time. No one was there. There was just a guy with like a TED Talk microphone riding around in the center doing horse stuff, talking to this crowd. Why of, did you go to a horse show? My just cousin was there. <laughs> no, my cousin was like showing a horse in it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm there watching. It was material and, or something. Yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> <laughs> you guys mind if I hang the out? Horse the horse comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I like to just get a, uh, get a slice of other types of life. <laughs> mind if I hang out at this lumber mill? I want to see what you guys do. And I, I was just watching it like, this is so weird. Like, exactly what you were thinking. Like, I'm one of 40 people watching this guy, like, spin his horse around and talk about where he has his hands in regard to the reins. And then later, I was walking around the fairgrounds, and I saw that guy come walking by. And there was a part of me like, that's the guy. <laughs> He's a star. <laughs> that's a guy, that guy's a huge star. He's still got the headset on. But you have that at your road show. So you, you can't not let that feel good i guess you know sure, we we're kind of like yeah. hell yeah i was up there and we played great and this feels good but maybe your bank account and or like where you're <laughs> staying makes you go like what am i doing with my life yeah no exactly and then the other side you you know go to pick your kids up at preschool or whatever and you've got a, a stable job scoring stuff that feels like a traditional thing but no one knows no one they don't see you do that yeah so there's not that same level of like that's the guy star power yeah yeah, yeah sure does that, so how do how do those things does any of that drive you or does it matter at all you not think about it i mean i guess the, the all the cliches of having children are, are pretty true <laughs> at the end of the day it really kind of rewired me anyway um not to say that I, you know i never want to go on tour again but you know even if let's say the lonely wild we were we were when we would tour we would usually break even or, or come home with a little bit of money, but we all had jobs when we got home. You know, mm-hmm. I worked in restaurants and bartended forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was never the kind of thing where like, I'm going to be on the road for a month and I can take two months off and just hang out with my family. It's like, okay, I come home and I got to work a nine to five yeah. and I'm going to be gone for a month and yeah. it sucks. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if, if it were the situation where I w- was making a lot of money, maybe that would change things, but it would still like kind of break my heart to be gone because yeah. especially when they're so young, so much happens. Like our our final tour as a band, I think all these signs, things were like stacked against us. We were like, a so um, I think my son was two months old and Schneider's little girl must've been three, four or five months, I think. Um, and we were shooting a music video before we left. He snapped his Achilles. 
Oh. So we had, which was awful. <sighs> and so he couldn't come. And we had to hire a guy, a friend who, who did great. But, you mm-hmm. know, we had to hire somebody that's coming out of our pocket to, yeah. to bring on the road with us. And then it, it was in the winter. And it just happened to be like one of the worst tours we had had. And we're like, sucks. even towns where we had done really well in, like the crowds weren't coming out. I don't know. There's something just happened. And it, yeah. it, was, it wasn't jiving. And, you know, you're sitting in our <clears throat> broken down van before like a show where there's 10 people in the bar and you're like, <laughs> I'm talking to my wife and I get off the phone. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that was the last one. Um, so to get, to make, be able to make music that, you know, for a show, which is, you know, background, it's not the main event it's not most people aren't gonna like watch a show and be like the music was amazing it's like i feel like that's happening people talk about the succession music a lot yeah um, yeah, yeah you know so cool with game of thrones that guy his yeah. profile went way up so i, I do it can it happen yeah, yeah it can happen but um it feels good to be able to like i'm making something this week and next week hundred thousand people are gonna hear this you know even if yeah. it's not like the main thing it's like well it's gonna be heard and like you're getting direct feedback constantly and you feel like you're part of this bigger piece of art mm-hmm. which is really cool just to be part of this like to be working with you know writers and directors and actors and so yeah. it's just a different thing it's a more of a collaborative thing than when you're in a band you're kind of um and as a songwriter you're kind of just in your own head and working in this little vacuum where you your only feedback is your close friends that you all like the same things anyway. And, <laughs> right. you know, it's just, it was a good gear shift for me anyway. Um, but yeah, I like to do both, but it's definitely good to get paid to do it, <laughs> to make art too. Yeah. yeah. There is something about, and not, the freedom maybe, I don't know how free people are that are touring 200 dates out of the year. I mean, that's a hectic schedule, yeah, even no. though it seems like you get the whole day off to walk around outside the hotel. You're in the and, van all the time. Unless you're in like yeah. some cushy bus that's being driven all night long. Yeah. Then you're like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, You're trapped. You're kind of just like a wind-up toy. Like, yeah. Put you in the case. We got you to the venue. <laughs> Go out there and do it. Yeah, exactly. Back in the case, take it to the next place. It's it's very much like a working class job where you're a driver, a mover. Uh, <laughs> you're just, unless you have you know roadies and stuff. Yeah. You're schlepping gear. Most of your day is sitting in a van and schlepping gear, and you get up on stage for one hour. Yeah. And then you pack it all up, and then you're getting back in the car for another five hours to the next town or whatever it is. Yeah, I've toured with a band once, and I drove myself to most of the gigs. I only rode in the. It was a Sprinter, so not quite yeah. a bus or a van. I only rode with him one leg, and not to give away too many of the behind the scenes, but it was anticlimactic, is how I would describe <laughs> it. Just a lot of Everybody's like, like headphones on. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, we're rock and roll. It was just kind of, let's just not bother each other, but have pleasant conversations. Sure. And I would try to be like, this is new to me, so I'm going to start a conversation. <laughs> and it would be met with minimal kind of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm ruining the vibe. <laughs> A lot of just kind of gazing out the window. Listen to a lot of podcasts. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what I thought was hilarious. Like, oh, comedians factor into musicians' lives in the same way that, you know, we're driving along listening to music. And I'm sure bands go, I can't listen to any more records. Yeah, exactly. This is too many days on the road. Let's listen to a podcast series. Or now I'm sick of people talking. Let's just put on. And then comedy folds in. So yeah, like, yeah. Dave was actually a big one in, in bringing in comedy podcasts. When oh, he, nice. When, so whoever gets to drive gets to pick the music. Oh, cool. Or pick whatever is being played. Uh-huh. You know, and I was just happy when he wasn't playing Fish or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, no jam band. <laughs> Cut it out, man. It's just, it's, man, talk about like the same sound for an album. <laughs> like for 25 minutes. Is this still the same sound? <laughs> uh. <laughs> when I first started doing stand-up, there was a guy who taught defensive driving, and he was like... He would go, you know, the first time you work your way up and you're doing 25 minutes or maybe you headline, you do like 40. It was a smaller club. And he'd be like, you know, you're kind of wired up like, man, I just entertain people for 40 minutes of ideas I just, just wrote. Just talking. Just talking. This is crazy. And that sounds was, terrifying to me. <laughs> it was, you, it's incremental. It's just like an album. You know, you do open mic, like three minute sets, and then you get a couple three minute chunks that work well and you start stacking them. And it's just like an album, but maybe it sped up, I guess. Mm-hmm. The process, and then uh, he goes, "Oh, I teach defensive driving. That's like doing a six-hour set." And I remember thinking, "Like that's not true at all." Like, <laughs> they're watching videos or taking tests. You're only just kind of fit. But I knew what he meant. That like, you know, you're a late I'm night on. host. Yeah. yeah, you're on the whole time. Yeah. The body of work of say like a Johnny Carson, we don't really have quintessential things from him. It's a team of writers and like the Karnak thing, mm-hmm. or even David Letterman. You know, like sure. stupid human tricks or the top ten. That's a team. Whereas musicians and comedians spend years putting together 
what would be the equivalent of like the length of one show, like 50 minutes or so yeah, of yeah. content to be like, here's my life's work. And it took me five years to make, <laughs> which I get both sides of that. Cause it is more of a, Oh, you made this statue. You're not just hired to like have plaster come through, shape it, move it on out. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're doing that, like you're making the music for the show, it feels almost the same. Almost, I would say almost as good where you're just like, Oh, I'm really churning shit out. Sure. I don't have time to sit there and get too precious over exactly. it. Exactly. And and you have to kind of detach your ego from it when you're part of, you know, a bigger piece. It's like, it's not my show at the end of the day. Like, yeah. I was hired to do a job. So if they're like, this isn't working. And even if I really like it, it's like, okay. Yeah. Just, okay. Right. That's all you can say. All right. Yeah. Just move, just crumple it up <laughs> it and like draw it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I used to struggle with that just when I was drawing my own stuff that... I just like hated to use the eraser. And then once you get more comfortable erasing stuff and trying again, you get way faster at drawing. If oh, you're only yeah. ever just drawing and then like, this isn't going great. And you stare at it. And like, <laughs> you never get anywhere. You, you have to get good at erasing. And so that process that sure. you kind of get in the 10,000 hours. But then you have those bands like um, the OCs. Do you know them? Yeah, or, yeah. So they're putting out like six albums a year, or King Gizzard. And guy, the, I actually met... Um, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head now. The front man of that band. Oh, okay. Because um, they they had some music in Lodge 49. And they um, were actually talking to our music supervisor about writing a piece for the show. Mm-hmm. Didn't end up working out. But anyway, I sat down with that guy. And he's he's kind of nuts. It's, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's awesome. And yeah. his music is great. But yeah, he's very much that kind of like... Okay, guys, blah, 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 had his meeting, had, did what he had to say. He's like, oh, yeah, I got lots of stuff in the works. The album, I, I'm going to put out an album next month. It's, uh, it's a double album. And I have all these beats <laughs> that I haven't used yet, so it would be great. And he just sounds like he's the kind of guy that's just going all the time. Yeah. It's like, okay, guys, I got to go. Somebody's, I got to pick up some glass from my house. Bye. <laughs> all right. I'm one, on one hand, jealous that a lot of that's just genetics. You're sure. just wired up that way. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of times people are wired up that way, going back to almost like a wind-up toy, and there's no efficiency to it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I, I got, my car got run into, and I lost my keys, so then I took an Uber to go to the post office and drop off this letter and come back, and then I did this, and you're like, you could have just put the letter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you have to go across town? Sure. But they're so busy and doing stuff all the time that they're maybe not as efficient. But when someone is, here's what I'm doing, this Every word that I'm saying has to matter and count. Our meeting is done, concluded. Thanks, see ya. Yeah. You can, I guess, put out five albums a year. Sure. And you're working at the same pace that maybe a late night writer would have to turn out material or you as the musician behind a show would have to work. Yeah, yeah. So then I think I get down on myself like, oh, maybe you're supposed to work that hard, but just for yourself. <laughs> <All> of- <laughs> yeah, and that's the tricky part. That's yeah. rough, yeah. How do you? Because part of the joy of it is doing it when it feels right. Yeah. Not yeah. just like, you got to go. You got to keep making it. Yeah. Like, what's your method for stand up? You said it takes you like five years or something. Like, do you it get up every day to. and I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna sit here for two hours in the morning and do it? Or is it just kind of. I it... used to. And I never had to make myself do that. I think that's been part of the thing where some of the parts of it, I don't enjoy it as much. You know, so, so sitting down and writing was really cathartic. And now I'll, I'll maybe just like go on stage and try stuff out, which is a little lazier, but just, I don't know. You go through that like sounds terrifying phases. Too, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess think, you get a certain uh, confidence after doing it for so many years. I think that was it. That yeah. with writing it, I was so terrified, you know, just thinking like, well, at least if I've got all my ducks in a row, yeah. I know the words I'm going to say, I give myself the best chance to just like lock into that and write it out. But then the more and more you do it, you kind of realize like there's there's a looseness you can play around with sometimes. Mm. And sometimes it goes terribly. But um, but but making myself do it or a friend of mine, and I just had that conversation because I do think with like what the OCs are doing or a band like that. Um, there's another guy, Ty uh, Siegel, mm-hmm. puts guy. out a ton of stuff. And he it's, has like three bands and he's just churning stuff out constantly. Just constant. How do you remember all the songs for one? Two. Yeah. But then I also think going back to being a little kid, like you played it because you loved it. You didn't, maybe you learned because other bands gave interviews where they talked about the preciousness of like making that album by the seaside. Mm-hmm. That suddenly every band thought, well, I've got to make I have it. To do this. Yeah, yeah, I've got to do it this. I got to make 11 songs that all go together. And maybe some other people are like, I'm just going to keep making songs. I'm just going to yeah. make a ton of them. And I think the Lonely Wild, we kind of got sucked into that too or like we wanted like we did an album we went to san francisco we went to we had a kind of a getaway we wanted to be out of our, we didn't want to like all right we're done recording for the day we're going to go home we wanted yeah. to be together and like have this kind of retreat experience each time we recorded a record and i think it can make really cool moments in in you know things can change on the fly and, and there's like really cool stuff that happens when you do that but 
it's not always the most practical way to operate. And a lot of times I think what, so what was cool about, you know, writing for a show, it's like, I'm doing it this week. It's going to be on the air in two weeks Mm -hmm. versus when I write, it's like, I'll write a song. I'll show it to the band. We're going to like kind of tweak it and mess with it for a month. And then we'll probably play it out for a while. Mm -hmm. And by the time it's recorded, that like initial spark is gone. Like you might record it six months later or a year later. Who knows? We've been sitting on the song forever. So it's like, oh yeah, what was, what excited me when I first wrote that? So I think if you can get in a situation where you have your own setup and you're like, I'm just going to write the song and record it today and then move on and do the next thing, (laughs) which I assume those guys must have their own setups where they do that versus... I think so. Yeah, you know, buying to... studio time or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's just a little space like this where you tuck away, yeah. just to do a demo or something to like get it out there. But not all of it sounds really rough. You know, you'd expect like to churn it out that quickly. Sure. And I went and saw them live. They played a bunch of songs, tons of them I had never heard, but the ones that I did know, I was like, they played it exactly how I know that song. <laughs> I was expecting them to be like, listen, we've got so many songs, we don't really know how they go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they did do it and then i guess i don't know with um with the idea with maybe stand up or when you're you know recording it that way i think of it sometimes sort of like this isn't the best analogy but the feel or the the spark of kind of being like a fire person fireman for lack of a better term walking into the house the moment like that you don't know if the fire is gonna take over or you're going to get it out is is the most riveting like the highest <laughs> adrenaline sure you get it too far out but you're still trying to pretend it's a fire sometimes songs can feel that way jokes can feel that way you're like i've just told this into the ground yeah it, i know Beat this fire is not going anywhere yeah but when you're recording it where you're like it's just glowing and you you, you don't quite have it managed but you think you do to me that's the perfect spot yeah or things, it still like surprises you, the things that are coming out of the yeah. recording. Yeah. Yeah. And you watch, you know, comedians all the time laugh at their own jokes. You're like, is that a learned laugh? You <laughs> watch them do a set 50 times and always chuckle at the same spot. Yeah. But when you're first starting out and you say a joke and you, it kind of comes out of you like, no, that, that was funny. To me. <laughs> it's a fun feeling. That's like the fire's still alive. Now, are you laughing at your own joke? Or are you laughing at the audience laughing at your, like, are you yeah. like, you know, is it, if you told that same joke and there were, five people in the house that weren't into it versus, you know, a hundred people that are yeah. falling. Does that change your... Some of it, yeah, it's, it can be both for sure. Like sometimes you say it and the crowd reacts in a way where you're like, I thought that one was just for me. <laughs> and the fact that they really got a charge out of it, well, it's just, it's like getting being a dog and getting patted on the head or something. You're like, they liked it. Other times it's just something so... Probably like being a musician where you know how something's supposed to resolve and your fingers kind of go in a way that you weren't expecting and do it differently. And you go, huh. Or maybe have jazz cool. musicians yeah. look at each other like, nice. <laughs> it's just like that, I think. Where you say something, you're like, I didn't even see that coming. Yeah. Those are those are kind of fun. So that I think that's what I'd liken it to. Just the, uh, the soloing. The so, just yeah. the unexpected, like the unpredictable or, sure. you know, no, you know. Well, I want to get into maybe more of that thoughts and where they come from, inspiration, et cetera. Do you, uh, do you for taking a little break? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, glad we could make that happen. And that's just the beginning. Come back for part two next week as we get even deeper into it. Enjoy more of that beer. And um, you can listen to uh, – there will be a part three in the in the Patreon and in the past, just a little over a month, you can listen to Casey Hanmer bonus episode, James Urbaniak, um, Chris Mancini, Comedy Film Nerds, who I just did their 600th episode and final episode live at Dynasty Typewriter, where again, I'll be on January 26th. Use WARG for the discount code when you check out buying tickets. But uh, Chris called in to talk about his... Um, graphic novel, which I hope got funded. I didn't even check in, but the Kickstarter has ended at this point. I hope you contributed. Sorry to ask you so much to help out people, but um, perhaps you had a great year and you're looking to get some tax breaks. Well, then this has been a a great podcast for you. Uh, But Chris Mancini's a bonus episode on the Patreon and um, also Brian Dunning from uh, Skeptoid Podcast. So Lots of bonus content this month. It's not always like that. I usually try to aim for one extra hour per month. There's currently, I think, four bonus hours. So if you're looking to support a show, if you've listened, there's a number of ways you can help. It's uh, There's no ads. I hope you like that. Try to make this show as ad-free as possible. It's brought together from contributions from listeners 
just like you. And uh, for, you know, a couple bucks a week or uh, two bucks a month, you can get access to the full Patreon thing, like 50 cents a week. So, uh, but if you don't want to do that, you can buy some merch online. There's screen printed things, posters and uh, t-shirts. You can uh, sur- uh, subscribe or rate the show on iTunes that, or uh, Apple Podcasts, I should say. That also helps with the uh, algorithm, etc. And uh, if you have suggestions for beer, topics, music, etc., you can email pings at thespacecave.com. I'm sure you know all this stuff, but in case you didn't, and again, I uh, just want to say thanks to Dylan for making this chat happen. I've now talked with two members of The Lonely Wild, Dave Farina and Andrew Carroll. I find them both fascinating, both cool, long-haired dudes. Dave, although I guess all three of us were at one point, now Dave has recently had a child and is trying to look a little more responsible, so he has shorter hair, which I will soon as well. If you come to the Dynasty Typewriter Show on January 26th, my hair will likely be shorter. Um, I mentioned Dylan. Give, he, I think he gave me a CD of The Lonely Wild when I was in Nashville. and said, I think you'll like this. And we really did listen to it a lot on that road trip, and I have since. I've gone back and revisited... Um, the sun as it comes quite a bit and, um, their first CDs, their first album's great too. Uh, but this is the title track from the sun as it comes from the album. And, uh, I th- like we talked about it kind of conveying the idea of a movie and he, he said, you know, like, oh, we did kind of the spaghetti Western thing. I think it's bigger than that. It has elements of that for sure, but just picture driving, we were at uh, the Grand Canyon at dawn one day, and there was this giant elk just standing up on the hill. This is a pretty cool song to have playing when you see something like that. So I don't know, whatever images it conjures up for you, I hope you enjoy them, and maybe you can vicariously travel around through the Southwest or anywhere in the United States. We went kind of all over the place with this album. Uh, anyway, thanks again to Andrew, Dan, and Ashley. I hope everything's going well. And all of the space burgers will be sending some good energy down under. And uh, here's the sun as it comes from the lonely wild. Thanks for stopping by the space cave. Hearts for the 